Welcome to The Truth Simply Put, the teaching broadcast vehicle of the Basilea Commission. On today's teaching by Alexander Victor, God's Word, rightly divided in the light of Christ, who is the central theme of the entire scriptures, will come with simplicity, precision, clarity, and power to instruct, admonish, edify, and build you up into the full measure of the stature of Christ. Now, let's dive straight in. Church Consciousness, Part 8. Where did we leave off in our text? 1 Corinthians 11. Let's go into it. 1 Corinthians 11. Many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. This stuff I'll teach when we're going through lessons from Corinth. Because again, judgment here does not refer to judgment for sin as though you are being condemned. Make sense? It also is not referring to judgment for works, which we'll get when we stand before the Bama throne, as opposed to the great white throne judgment, where they are being judged for faith, whose names are not in in the book of life. Judgment in this context refers to examination, if we examine ourselves, if we assess ourselves and, and agree where we went wrong, nobody will need to come and hold us to task. If we are honest with ourselves and admit where we got it wrong, that's us judging ourselves, not us condemning ourselves. Does that make sense? But us assessing ourselves, not accessing. Accessing is to gain entrance. Assessing is to evaluate. A double S, E double S. So, judging here is us assessing ourselves. If we are honest with ourselves and tell ourselves where we got it wrong, we don't need to be at the mercy of somebody else needing to do that for us. Do you get that now? But when we judge ourselves or when we do that, we are chastened of the Lord or corrected of the Lord or reproved of the Lord. Now, if the Lord is chastening you, why would he chasten you? Because he loves you. Whom the Father loves, he chastens. So, chastening and condemnation or chastening and judgment are two parallel lines and mutually exclusive. You can't be saying God is chastening you because he loves you and he's judging you as as in condemning you. So, judgment in the context of 1 Corinthians 11, given all that Paul is talking about, is not about sin. For curiosity's sake, let's see how Tipiti puts 32. But when we are judged, go on to 31. If you do not sit in judgment of others, you'll avoid judgment yourself. That's not the context. Let me see the message. If we get this straight now, we won't have to be straightened out later on. That's closer to the definition. Better to be confronted by the master now than to face a fiery confrontation later. Does that make sense? So the chastening of the Lord is our judgment. If we stand and we judge ourselves or we appraise ourselves. We are chastened by the Lord and we are not condemned along with the world. We are honest with ourselves. This is where we missed it as a church. This is where we missed it as believers. This is where we missed it as pastors. This is where we missed it doctrinally. This is where we missed it in practice. And once we do that or judge ourselves, we are able to repent of it. Does that make sense? And what are the benefits of such repentance in the church? Less people are sick, less people die. 
Because the health of the church is the health of the entire society. That's the truth. The society is a reflection of the church. The state of the society is a reflection of the state of the church. That's why Jesus championed us being one body. Right? And that's, that's where we left off. That we're one body. Then we took time to start exploring and we'll continue that today. Weak believers. Believers weak in the faith. Strong believers. Believers strong in the faith. Before we went into that, I also took time to establish, and this was very important, that when you say that we are different members of the same body, it doesn't mean that one church is just the leg. And therefore that church needs the other church that is the head. That now needs the other church that is the nose. I went ahead and made a very provocative statement that any local church that does not have it all, it's not the body of Christ. And I know it's very ouchy. And it is in our sentiments and emotions that some of us will respond and go, yeah, but you can't say that. This is what God called me to be. If God called you to be that thing, then his intention was to, for you to be that thing inside the framework of other things. So we will not argue that God called you to be a prophet even though nobody is called to be a prophet. People are gifted with the prophetic. One calling. The scriptures are very clear on that. One calling. One ministry. But yeah, okay, no problem. Let's, let's, let's put it down to semantics. Let's put it down to not just English. Okay? And let's agree that you had a divine calling to be prophet. Each local church cannot be founded on the prophetic. If you have a calling to be a prophet, that is supposed to function inside the framework of the local church that includes the apostolic, includes the teacher, pastor, includes the evangelist, includes all the gifts of the ministry of the spirit and the helps and prophetic gifts and utterance gifts and charismatic gifts inside, not as an exclusive. Because God cannot gather, hear me carefully, God cannot gather people Together unto one gift. Come on, let's let's be real and honest with ourselves. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Just one gift. God gathers the entire people, hundreds of people, hundreds of thousands of people around one gift. No, that's not the body. Such that this church needs the other local. We might as well all just close the different churches. And converge in a place where we are sure all the gifts are working. Because only then are we the body. No matter how much blessing loves groundnuts. If I wake you up at 6 a.m. and give you 75 cl ever bottle of groundnut. Wake you up at 9. 12 p.m. groundnut. 3 p.m. groundnut. 6 p.m. Blessing will run out of that place. Because after a while, what was a blessing? It's not a curse. Now your heavenly father will not do that to his church. That is why deliverance churches always have to manufacture what to deliver. It is not 
possible that a deliverance church does not have a deliverance case. So once we deliver you this week of something, there are 39 other things that when we're praying fire and blood and Holy Ghost and only the one that we had in this service left. The others were just chilling. I have not called my case yet. So let's go home. Let's come back next week. And once we deliver you of everything else, we leave some doors open so that by next year, because once you no longer need deliverance, we no longer have a church. We always will need to deliver something. We will always, that's why we'll read everything in the light of deliverance case. Everything. That's all we know. We're not disposed to anything else. If we teach you the word and it opens your eyes up to light, you will not need us for deliverance again and we will have a problem. Every local church has it all. Should therefore have it all. Teaching, preaching, praying, gifts of the spirit, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, word of prophecy, utterance gift, praying in other tongues, interpretation, of tongues, praying in the spirit, praying the understanding, singing with the spirit, singing with the understanding, gifts of helps, administrations, diverse kinds of tongues, gift of healings, faith, working on miracles, all at work in the local church. All. All at work. I'm not your pastor because I have all the gifts and you're my subject. I'm just a coach. You play the game. Oh, well, no, you know, the game is not going well. So the coach, the manager of the football club, now jumps into the, into the pitch. He would do defense. He would do attack. Do midfield. Do here. Only him. Only him. No, no. no matter how good you are, you lose. Because there's 11 guys on that pitch, 10 in the, one in the football, uh, the, the goalpost, 10 in there, and all 10 doing different things. Center forward, middle forward, striker, and everyone doing different things. Each one, each one a joint that supplies. And so the coach at that point is hoping that what he has done in training can bring to bear upon the game. At best he will recall, he will do a replacement. At best he will change the formation or whatever. Like, like as in the case of American football, you know, the quarterback can be pulled back and the running back is put that way. And, and let's, let's try it again because for every... Um, every touchdown in American football, you know, American football, every touchdown is, is, is administered by a different formation. It's not like football, where you can have your 10 and then play that for 45 minutes or 90 minutes. American football, each touchdown, each shooting of the ball for us to tackle and get it to the other point is, is done by a different formation. That's why even with nine seconds left to the game, they can call a timeout. Hodo, change the formation. Hope that the other guys don't see the formation you're playing with. <laughs> and then go for it. But no matter how intense it gets, you don't see the coach running around inside the football. At best, he's running on the sidelines. <laughs> with them. So there's a problem if I stand before you and I do everything. I pray for the sick. I prophesy. I bring word of knowledge. I pray in tongues. I interpret tongues. I, I can walk in all the gifts of the spirit effortlessly. Effortlessly. So when they say there's somebody who has that word, it's the expression of the spirit in the church. 
And we grow the church to be able to decipher, to be able to filter, to be able to discern. But by reason of use, everybody grows. Because those gifts are in the church. Every local church should have it all. So unity of the body is not such that one person has one thing and the other person has another thing and the other person has another thing. No. So divergences will be along those, the lines of those two strands I told you exist. Yes, yes, yes. Weak in faith, strong in faith. And I explain what that means. So we have believers that are weak in faith and strong in faith and by weak in faith, we're referring to weak in faith on account of being ignorant of or lacking in certain knowledge or light in a particular area. Make sense? We took time to explain that. And we took time to explain what your posture towards them should be and you're not causing a believer to stumble. And, and we looked at Romans 14. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 8. And then just before I came up, I was reading chapter 10 and it, it blew my mind when I saw came across some verses that I'd like to also throw in today. But 1 Corinthians 8, I will go from 7. And you see where it says, uh-uh, go to verse 1. Because 7 might not make sense to some of you contextually. Now concerning things offered to idols, New King James, we know that we all have knowledge. But see, knowledge by itself pops off. But love edifies. If anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. Therefore, on account of that, concerning things, the eating of things offered to idols, we know. Somebody say, we know. So what's the issue here? Knowledge. It's not even the food or the idols. It's knowledge. We know that an idol is nothing in the world. And that there is no God but one. So idols are not even worthy to be called gods. Oh, for even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us. So you can say in your country there's 3,000 gods. But for us. There's one God the father, don't confuse him. Yes. Not any of these other gods. Yes. The, the father of whom are all things yes. and we for him. And one Lord Jesus Christ through whom are all things and through whom we live. Yeah. Now see verse 7. Please. This is where I was going. But if I read it directly, you don't have understood the context. However, there is not in everyone that knowledge. In other words, this knowledge. Let me explain the knowledge. This knowledge. That all the other gods are not gods. Because there are many gods and many lords. And and they're called idols and people worship them. But because we we know that there's one God. The Father. For whom are all things. And one Lord Jesus. Through whom are all things. And us for him. However, there is not in everyone that knowledge. In other words, this knowledge does not exist in everyone. Others know that there is God. And they still think Amadioha is powerful. It's just that God is more powerful than Amadiah. Sometimes, depending on the season. Because the rainy season, the thunder is striking everywhere. <laughs> it's Amadiah or Shongo, depending on where you're looking at it from. 
But for some of us, there's one God. We're not even dignifying other gods as gods. You know, we don't, we're not even looking at them as gods. That's where J. Thomas got the inspiration for that song. No other God can be called a father. But there is not in everyone this knowledge. Go back to verse 7. For some with consciousness of the idol. Please hear me carefully. With consciousness of the idol until now. Eat it as a thing offered to an idol. And their conscience being weak is defiled. Some people see the food given to idol as given to an entity that exists. Even though they know God exists. So when they see you grudging up on food given to an idol, their consciences are defiled. Their faith is weak. Because they know that God is God, Yahweh, Jehovah and everything. But you also know that there's a thing called Shango or Madioha or whatever. They have a consciousness of that idol. So when they see you eating food given to idols, they're like, ah, uh-uh. can you be a believer and be eating food given to Shango now? And so you confuse this person because their knowledge is not complete. Let's see TPT verse 7. Somebody say, I discern the Lord's body. See TPT. But not everyone has this revelation. See the message. In strict logic, then nothing happened to the meat when it was offered up to an idol. It's just like any other meat. I know that, and you know that. But knowing isn't everything. If it becomes everything, some people end up as know-it-alls who treat others as know-nothings. Real knowledge isn't that insensitive. We need to be sensitive to the fact that we are not all at the same level of understanding in this. Some of you have spent your entire lives eating idol meat and are sure there's something bad in the meat that then becomes something bad inside you. And imagination and conscience shaped under those conditions isn't going to change overnight. See how clear the message puts it? But we know an idol is nothing in itself. We know there's one God. But there is not in everyone this knowledge. Some don't have this revelation. Some who? That's why I said that you left religion. Doesn't mean religion left you. That's why I said that for the believer, spiritual maturity is mind renewal, mind control. Is it making more sense? You must literally wipe your OS. Wipe it. Wipe your entire operating system. So all the viruses and Trojans can go. And then load it afresh. Most of our struggles are because of that dilly-dallying, vacillation between your current reality and your former reality. It's, it's, it's showing up in marriage. It's showing up in relationships. It's showing up in church service. It's showing up in giving. It's showing up in our interpersonal relationships. There's this constant struggle between who you used to be and who you are now. You can't even make up your mind how to dress. Because one day you're comfortable, the next day you're not. You, know? you, can't, you can't really make up your mind. You have no definition. It takes process. Mind you know, Constant application. 
of the word of God. That's why I've told you, you can't hesitate on applying the scriptures. You have to be aggressive with applying the word. Aggressive. Don't give it time to fester. So there's people who are weak in faith simply because they do not know what you know and that being because in many cases they are in places that are wrapped around one gift and they're not exposed to the body. Are you here? So there's believers who are weak in faith. There's believers that don't know what you know. Even you. There's a lot of things you don't know. And your faith is weakened right now. Discerning the Lord's body. Believers without knowledge. Believers. Wait until you see somebody with a white garment and a rope and a bell saying by grace are you saved? Through faith. And he's still removing his shoes and saying his holy ground until the day he understands that Moses wrote of Christ. Inside there. Eight. Let me have it in CPT. Yes, we know that what you eat will not bring you closer to God. So eat up. You want to eat squid mixed in lobster sauce with oysters and snail and octopus dipped in snake oil garnished in crocodile scales. Be my guest. Put that scripture back up. Doesn't bring you closer to God. You are no better if you don't eat certain foods and no better Next verse. But you must be careful that the liberty you exercise in eating food, go on, offered to idols doesn't offend the weak believers. Weak believers. Weak now. Weak in faith. And by faith, we mean knowledge. Doctrinal standpoint. But, uh, is, is, is the Bible not saying, come out of the world and be separate? Touch no unclean thing, and I will be your God. That's where the person has come from. The law. And the law was right until. The law is just, the law is right, the law is holy. And that's where this person has come from. And touch no unclean thing. How, how? How, could, how can you do that? And you're like, oh, come on, bro. Come on, you see. So you'll, like, you'll understand. Some, you'll understand some things. You'll understand it better by and by. At that point, you have caused your brother, who is weak in faith, to stumble. You have not discerned Lord's body. And that person walks away sick. Sickness, and I'll teach you that sometime. Sickness. It's not just medical. In the scriptures. James says, confess your your sins. Translated faults. Not sins against God. Confess your faults to one another. And pray for one another that you may be healed. Not healed of a sickness. But healed of the ailment of the pain. And overwhelms your body when your mind is sick. When your soul is grieved. And such pain always reflects in the body. So when you forgive, confess your faults to one another, pray for one another, you may be healed. It's not referring to malaria, typhoid. It's referring to the holistic healing of the soul. 
Does that make sense? So for this reason, some of you are sick. It's, it's broader than it sounds. Not just sick in your body, but sick. Because somebody walks away and you, you said something carelessly in a conversation. And that person's conviction is punctured. They can't recover. They can't see their leader the same way. They can't see that member the same way anymore. They try and try and try and try, but someone has punctured their persuasion, their perception of this other person, of this pastor, of this leader, of this brother, of this sister. And you find them walking in circles, in circles, in circles, in circles, in circles, because somebody sowed a heresies, an opinion into their lives. So my sake. Let's move on, but before then, let's look at chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians. From 23. Same, same thing Paul is dealing with. Remember, context of 1 Corinthians? All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. He says something similar in chapter 6. Next verse. Let no one seek his own. Let no one seek his own. But each one, the other's well-being. Eat whatever is sold in the market, in the meat market. Asking no questions for conscience sake. For the earth is Lord's. I love being in the lights. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. Now, having said that. If any of those who do not believe invites you to dinner and you desire to go. Who do not believe? A non-believer. Invites you to dinner and you decide to go. Eat what is said before you, asking no questions. And so what, what, what do you serve? Is it goat? Wait, how do you kill it? Did you shed the blood? Because, for instance, I, I, I totally, when it comes to pigs, I have first information. It, it can take all day to kill a pig. All day. If it's a so, the female pig, my God. We can start, if we're killing the pig on Saturday, we can start on Thursday. Because a pig, a female soul, has more energy than a bull, than a male cow. You have to beat the pig, and because of the layers of fat under the hide of the pig, it does internal bleeding and nothing like that. Nothing like that. It's, it's well insulated. Because you're, you, you cannot even dream of just catching the pig and binding it to slice its neck. And have you seen the neck, the hair, the hide? A butcher knife is not going through. And then sometimes in very extreme cases, they have to stab it around the neck so it starts to bleed already. It starts to bleed. And then finally they can then subdue it, tie its hind legs, tie its forelegs, and then start to the arduous task of cutting through. Not a joke. Now come and say, oh yeah, so this pork, how did you kill it? <laughs> no, you see, if you don't tell me how you killed it, I can't eat it. Because the life of a thing it's in the blood. Ask no questions for conscience sake. How does the TPT put this verse? 27. If I don't believe I invite you to dinner, go ahead and eat whatever is served without asking questions concerning where it came from. Next verse. Go back to New King James. But if anyone says to you, says to you, and you'll understand the context of that shortly. If anyone says to you, this was offered to idols. Do not eat it for the sake of the one who told you and for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's 
and all its fullness. In other words, if someone says to you, ah, wait till, just so you know, this was offered to idols. It's a trap, don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. And this can apply to everything, not just food. Clothing, dyeing, you know, tattoos, whatever. Movies, pornography, uh, smoking, drinking. The list is endless. Says to you, just so you know, you know you, you believe us. Uh-huh. This is offered to adults. This has alcohol. Oh. Look at you. And then you now go, yeah, 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 I'm a son of God. You know, the earth is the Lord. Paul repeats that statement in the context of, at that point, don't eat it because the earth is still the Lord. So you eat anything without asking questions because the earth is a lot. At some point when you sense that somebody is trying to trap you on something or stumble, you don't eat it because the earth is a lot. You eat or don't eat, the earth is a lot. You eat at that point or not at that point, the earth is a lot. What you will not eat now because it affects somebody's faith, you can eat later when there's nobody's faith at stake because the earth is a lot. It's just discerning the Lord's body. If I like my thing a certain way, and you're hearing it to cause you to stumble, I just allow you. The earth is the Lord's. The, the thing is not going to evaporate from the Lord's earth. Just because at this point, I am not eating it. The dress will not evaporate from the Lord's earth. Just because at this point, I'm not wearing it. The dye will not evaporate from the Lord's earth. Just because at this point, I can't wear it. The earth is the Lord's. Your blue hair is the issue. Leave it at home. Your hot... Deep V-neck top is the issue. Leave it at home. The opportunity for you to wear it will arise. And he will prompt you. He. Because the earth is Lord. Nothing's spoiled. 29. He emphasizes what he means by conscience. Conscience, I say. Not your own. But that of the other. So you cannot look at me carefully. If you discern the Lord's body. You can't walk around and hold your head up all the time and say, anyway, my conscience is clear. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The other person's conscience might be at stake. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And it takes us back to determining our liberties. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What you see is your problem. What you feel is your problem. What you see, as for me, my conscience is clear. Mine might be covered by your conscience that is too clear yes, to realize that it's affecting my conscience. So your clear conscience quickly becomes a problem, quickly becomes a stumbling block to somebody who doesn't even understand what is undergirding your clear conscience. Are you learning anything? Yeah. What is, what is undergirding your clear conscience? And so you must be cognizant of that fact when it has to do with your brother. Both of another household of faith, another local church, as well as within your own clan. Look at someone and you... You look at them and you just, why don't you wear this other kind of thing? Why do you, wear, why do you even bother wearing that thing at all? It, it takes a while to form a persuasion. And some people would rather trade off something just so their conscience is not too affected because they don't yet have all the temerity that you have come into. And even you didn't start off having that. So you calm down. So by conscience, I say of the other, not of yours. See the next line. For why is my liberty judged by another man's conscience? Again, Paul's classic way of preempting questions you will ask and answering them. 30. But if I partake with thanks, 
Why am I evil spoken of for the food of which I gave thanks? Again, preempting their responses. Go back to, to 29 in the TPT. 29. I'm talking about someone else's conscience, not yours. What good is there in doing what you please if it's condemned by someone else? 30. So if I voluntarily participate, why should I be judged for celebrating my freedom? 31. Whether you eat or drink, live your life in a way that glorifies God. And he explains what live your life in a way that glorify God means in the next two verses. Make sure you're not offending Jews or Greeks or any part of God's assembly, Ecclesia. Over. If we all went around projecting our personal preferences, everybody will have a problem with what everybody else does just because they are somebody else. All it takes is for that person to not be you. And you have a problem. How they dress, how they talk, how they greet, how they don't greet, how they eat, where they hold the spoon, where they don't hold the spoon, where they rather use their hand, they don't use their hand, where they smell, what their face meant like this, what they had, just because they are not you. We can't be run. We can't be propelled by personal preference in the assembly of God. 32, I said it was Ecclesia, see it in the New King James, just for added assurance. Give no offense, either to the Jews or to the Greeks, or so you cannot be a harbinger of offense in church. And most times the people that offend others are the people that believe their conscience is clear. You're not taking into consideration the conscience of the other. Somebody say, I discern the Lord's body. Is anybody receiving instruction? It's not all about you. That's why only you is not the body. You can't be the body by yourself. So you must consider the other person's conscience. So I've said over and over, the degree to which my liberty starts to affect somebody else is the point where my liberty ends. Everything we are teaching is one message. One gospel. One truth. One truth. Doctrine, conduct. Doctrine, conduct. Doctrine, conduct. One message. Because you will know it and you will apply it. You can't be saying, I'm, oh, I'm free. I'm walking liberty. I have freedom. I don't care what you think. You didn't learn that from the scriptures. You didn't learn that from your pastor. And so you can't treat other believers like that. In here, out there. Ah, yeah. You're still covering your hair. So what makes you feel like your hair uncovered now is superior? You become worse than a Corinthian. Worse than a Corinthian. You just bound yourself. Why? Because the earth... You wear jeans, the earth is the Lord's. You wear 10 yards of wrapper, the earth is the Lord's. So how about you live in consciousness of the Lord's earth in spite of you? In spite of you. Paul will make sure he meets Jewish feasts. Because to the Jews, I am as, not a Jew. I am as a Jew. 
to the Gentile as a Gentile. To those under the law as. He didn't come under the law. He didn't become a Jew. Because then he would have been hypocritical to become a Jew at some point and be calling out Peter for compromising on his stand because Jews were there. So he says, as I will do what Jews do while with the Jews so I can reach some. I will do what Gentiles do while with the Gentiles so I can reach some. 33. Just as I also please all men in all things, you see that? Not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. Not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. That's what matters. You're invited for a Thanksgiving service. Your friend's wife or your friends had a child. They're going for child dedication. Listen to me. There's no joy in entering a church meeting and arresting the attention that belongs to Jesus. In whatever variation he's on display. Because even if the church, by virtue of being weak in knowledge, don't know, we know that unto the Lord. So even if they don't know, their gathering is unto the Lord. Not unto a man. Even if a man is most powerful in the gathering. So when you now show up and you're the only one that looks the oddest, you have the longest nails, longest claws, and people are actually trying to sing, unto the Lord be the glory, great things. And you're, you are waving and you're doing your hair. And, hey, you shouldn't have gone. And the earth is the Lord's. You shouldn't have gone. And same thing for us brothers. You think it's only sisters. That's how you will wear your t-shirt. We know you are trying to market the effect of your gene. We, we're not stupid. We know. It's because you have worked hard at tightening your chest that you now wore a t-shirt tight enough to show us your biceps. Let us see. Whether we like it or not, you put it in our faces that you are Jimin. You're working out. At the point, you become the point of attraction. Let us see how toned your body that did not die for us is looking. So it's, it's everybody. Sometimes you feel the urge to move in a church meeting and you just realize that by the time I get up, I've destabilized the attention of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You sit down there because you discern the Lord's body. If you must move, if you utterly must move, you discern the right moment to do so. You don't just get up and just pan all the way. Imagine how many people's attention are broken just because you got up. So it's just, it goes beyond having discipline in receiving God's word to also respecting and honoring his body. And for me, I'm very mindful of these things. Very mindful. I will not enter a meeting like this after everybody has sat down like this. Hey, I'll be so conscious. And if I did, I will enter in the most inconspicuous manner and sit in the most inconspicuous place until a demand is placed on my ministry, if that's what I went there for. That's how we are. Because we discern the Lord's body. You don't cause a brother to stumble. 
Amen? Amen. Now, look at 32, 33 into the next verse, and I'll stop for that text. You see how he enters 1 Corinthians 11, and people don't understand that it's one flow. 10.33. Just as, if you, if you have your Bible, you see that it's actually a flowing statement. Just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. Just as I, Paul, also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. Next statement, imitate me just as I imitate Christ. So contextually and directly speaking, what is he saying imitate? The way that I don't please myself at the expense of others, the way I'm pleasing all men and not seeking my own profit, imitate that. Make sense? You sure? We don't go and discriminate. Oh, they don't speak in tongues. They don't have the Holy Spirit. Look at me. Speaking in tongues... It's not proof of salvation. There's people that received the Holy Spirit at salvation and did not speak in tongues just because it wasn't ministered to them. That's why you, we have this phrase that's not, it's not directly in scripture, but then it's used in, in theological circles, activation. You have the Spirit. You don't know what to do with Him. You have the Spirit. You don't even know what He does in you. But because you believed, if you believed, you have it. If you believe, you received it. And we have elevated speaking in tongues as the most outward manifestation of the infilling or baptism of the Holy Spirit. And as if that's not bad enough, we have now equated it with what validates salvation. You might as well get water baptized and everything else. So it's, it's, a, it's an expression of the Holy Spirit, but it's not a validation or confirmation of your salvation. It's great that we speak in tongues. It's great that everyone should desire to speak in tongues. Because Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, just a chapter later, covet the best gift, desire the best gift. And he says desire the best gift after listing out some of the gifts. Some of the gifts. Not all the gifts are in 1 Corinthians 12. You have to go to 1 Peter 3, you have to go to Romans 4. In addition to 1 Corinthians 12 and combine all those mentions to get a complete overview of the gifts of the Spirit in the church. 1 Corinthians 12 is not an exhaustive list of the gifts of the Spirit. Romans 12 and verse 4. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. In prophecy, let us prophesy. Right? In proportion to our faith. Or ministry as a gift. Verse 7. Let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches. This is called a ministry gift. Or a gift of the spirit. Which is not mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12. Exhortation. Is not mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12. Giving as a spiritual gift. Is not mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12. Leadership. Leads. He who leads. As a gift. With diligence. He who shows mercy as a gift. Does that make sense? Yes, you go to 1 Peter as well. Chapter 4. You will see from verse 9. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. 1 Peter 4, 9. 10. As each one has received a gift. You see that? Yes, Minister it to one another. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks. 11. You see speaking as a gift yes, of the Spirit. 
Let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability with God, which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. So you have to combine all the different places where spiritual gifts or ministry gifts are mentioned in the Bible to get an overview of the gifts in the church. Make sense? Yes, sir. And even 1 Corinthians 12, you see where it says that the same spirit but different gifts, yes, right? In 1 Corinthians 12, and then it mentions those. And then at the end, after it has finished mentioning them from verses 4 right through to 11, right? 1 Corinthians 12, um, verse 4, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit, differences of ministries, but same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given word of wisdom, another word of knowledge through the same Spirit, another faith by the same Spirit, another the working of miracles, another prophecy, another discerning of spirits, another different kinds of tongues, another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now you think that's done, but later on in the same chapter 12, you come to verse 27, which I showed you earlier on in this teaching. Now you are the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians 12, 27, and members individually, and God has appointed these in the church. Apostles, prophets, teachers, Miracles, gift of healings, helps, which was not mentioned earlier on in chapter 12. Administrations, not mentioned earlier. Varieties of tongues, not mentioned earlier. Then in verse 29, it says, are all apostles? Duh, no. Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all speak with tongues? TPT, 30. Or has gifts of healing or speaks in tongues? Should all speak in tongues? Do all speak in tongues? And then in 31 it says desire the best gift. Best is the word translated greater. The greater gift. Desired gift. So a believer who is born again has the Holy Spirit. He's not desiring the Holy Spirit. He's desiring to walk in the gifts of the Holy Spirit that he already has. And might not know because in that area he's weak in faith by virtue of absence of knowledge. Is this making sense? So there's a believer somewhere who believes in the Father, believes in the Son, believes in the Holy Spirit, has the Holy Spirit, believes that Jesus died for his sins, but does not even know or does not believe or will even attack the notion that he or she should speak in tongues. What was that? Until. Until. That doesn't make them less a believer. Doesn't make them an unbeliever. At best makes them a weak believer. Discern the Lord's body. Amen. Can we proceed? Church consciousness. Discerning the Lord's body. Also entails having the same mind. I dealt with this when we looked at the church of Jesus Christ and imitate. When we imitate the church of Jesus Christ and the apostles, remember? If you haven't listened to it, again, go and listen to it again. Because when I teach, you see that there's, there's referencing and connecting of things I taught across board. 
in bite-sized chunks. When you take this understanding and go and listen to something else, it brings it together. Philippians 2 and 5, but I need you to see verses 1 through to 4 in order to understand the context of verse 5. Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, and they are these things, fulfill my joy by being like-minded. If there's consolation in Christ, be like-minded. If there's comfort of love, be like-minded. If there's fellowship of the Spirit, be like-minded. If there's any affection and mercy, be like-minded. Having the same love. Can we all say the same love? So you can't love me how you like. The same love. Man, this is the way I used to love. No, we have the same love. The problem is most our love, and this again takes us back to imitate and Christ conscious believer. Most of our love is predicated on human definitions, societal definitions. Most of what we know from love is from a book, a novel, a magazine, a movie. Or somebody around you and their conditioning of what love is. I was in a mechanic once and he was fixing my car. I got there early in the morning and I met him with a fabric seller. People that sell material. And so my mechanic was buying fabric for one of his apprentices. Okay. Right? And he bought for himself already. He had bought his own. He was buying for one of his apprentices. A 14-year-old he was buying for his apprentice. Now this mechanic's son is an adult and works with him. Walks with him in the same garage. It's about 26 or thereabout. And, and then there's another, um, shall I say, customer like me. Right? Another car owner who's there with his own car. Who's waiting. He's an elderly man. Older than me, you know, I'd reckon. And so we're all watching the conversation. This guy's very loud. He's very all over the place. He finishes paying for the material for himself and for this apprentice. And so this other guy who is from his place and knows him very well, then says to him, why didn't you buy for your son? Man, this guy flips and goes angry. I paid for his school fees. I sent him to Maritime or something, something, Academy. Maritime, Academy. I bought his first computer, 200, something thousand. You know, Ah, he's a man. He's not working in my, we're working in the same workshop. We make money, I make money, he makes money. Why should I buy him anything? So this other man challenges him and says, no, he's your son. You bought for yourself, you bought for the apprentice. Hey, he's working. I don't need to buy anything for him because he's working. Somebody has come to tell me that he has a girl he wants to marry. Do you know what it means for a man to come and tell you that he's ready to marry a girl? That means he's now ready to look after himself. I cannot buy any material for him. Why? I've done everything I need to do for him. By now, before he marry, he should be washing my clothes. He should be washing my shirt. He should be doing everything, washing the clip in the house, giving me benefit of what I did in his life before he go and marry wife. I'm quoting word for word. This other guy now picks up on him and gets upset. I says, no, it doesn't take away your place of being a father. He called his age. He's in his 50s. He said, I am 50, so and so. He said, till today, my mama, she sits on to me, she like for me. She will still buy it and call me and say, oh, I bought you this thing. Oh, I saw it. I liked you. I thought of you. I bought it. He said, it doesn't mean that my mom is trying to feed me of believing that I can look after myself. He said, the house my mom is living in, I built it for her. And I said, well, that's how you know. I don't know how to be a father like that. That is not what, punchline, that is not what my father taught me. 
Oh, pastor, how you see him? I kept quiet. I was just smiling. That's not what my father taught me. When I was eight years old, my father started selling, sending me out. If I need something, to go and say something and make the money. That's how I got to where I am now. If I do it like that to the boy, I go spoil him. If you had the privilege of speaking to this mechanic's father, you will hear the same story. He too will tell you his father. It's a cascade. So I was telling some of the young men I speak to one-on-one, individually. I said, you have to be careful that you are not a reflection of your father. Yes, sir! You have to deliberately ensure. Yes, sir! That's why the people come and tell you it's a household wickedness. It's your own renewed mind. Yes, sir! Yes, sir! It's not any demon in your father's house. It's just a pattern that has been handed down over and over. Once you identify the pattern, put a stop to it. Yes, sir! That's the end. It's not a deliverance case. Nobody needs to lay hands on you. You just discern. Investigate. Look at it. Draw a bloodline. By the blood of Jesus. He redeemed me out of this nonsense. I'm a new new creation. I am not from the lineage of my father's house. The problem is we are receiving light. But we are not letting go of darkness. Most of what we know. We are not holding on to what we are being taught. We are holding on to what we caught. Are you here? Yes, sir. What we caught. What was formed as a paradigm. Yes, sir. As a mindset. You see your mom attacking people with Tongari. You grow up in love with Tongari. That's what's the next thing you think of for discipline. Because that's what was handed down to you. Things are formed by what you catch. And most of our love definition is from what we saw. And to get to learn the same love, you must drop it. You must. You must. For this reason, some of you are sick. And some sleep. You must drop it. You must. If you are aggressive, check your family lineage. Check who raised you. Check the kind of boarding school you went. Check what seniority was like when you went. Check if you were bullied. Check if you were harassed or molested. It's always a hand-me-down principle. And it's unfortunate that life hasn't deliberately taught us the major things it should have taught us. Our parents thought they raised us when all they did was rear us. They reared us. What is the reason I paid your school fees? You had a roof over your head. I fed you. When you were sick, I paid you medication. I woke you up and taught you the way of the Lord. My hands are clean. Sex education, zero. Financial, financial management, zero. Raising a home, zero. Working in ministry, zero. Strategic planning, zero. Identifying your gift and knowing what trajectory your life should take. Zero. I want you to be a doctor. I want most parents living their dreams by proxy in their children. I want you to be. I want you to be. I want you to be. And my dream for you is. So all parents did, especially in Africa, is rare children. Rare children. As you come away with that mindset, the next person attached to you is about to become the victim of your misfortune. Yes, sir. You carry it into your husband, carry it into your wife, carry it into your staff. Carry it into your domestic people. Carry it into your colleagues. And worst of all, 
carried into church. That's why we are disjointed. That's why we can't agree. Because we have love. It's not the same. Is anybody receiving instructions? It's not the same. Everybody has their own expression. Their own. But then scripture is constantly trying to do what the church is. Constantly trying to fight. Unite us. All the scriptures are trying to do is get all of us to think alike. But that sounds like we are being brainwashed. That's exactly what scripture is trying to do to you since Jesus died. Brainwash you. Wash your brain. Reset your paradigm. Load the mind of Christ in you. Done. And that's the one thing the church is fighting. Leave me with my own. I will love differently. I will give differently. I, 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 the, the spirit of God is working in me too. Yes, yes, yes. we're not arguing that it's working in you. Why then are the scriptures trying to unite us in thought? You think Paul doesn't know that all of you have the Holy Spirit? Why is he then just not leaving you for the Holy Spirit in you to personally do with you? Why is he drawing from the spirit measure in every single one to make one whole? Why? And this is the greatest undoing of the health of the church. Individualism. Individualism. The desire to be different and stand out from anybody else. The only area we differ in the local church is in the manifestation of spirituals. Numatos. Only in the manifestation. The only difference between Emma and Precious is that Precious has tongues, Emma has interpretation. And because we are one mind, the moment Emma starts to speak in tongues, because we are one mind, Precious does not need to dig into a deep place. She doesn't need to dig into a deep place. Because we are one mind, we have the same love. Instantly, there's that pool. Interpretation flows. And seven, eight, ten people will prophesy and interpret and there is synergy. If you miss that, you are playing Korea course. You are just playing church. Playing church. And that's one thing the church has missed. And it's terrible. But we are one body. We all share this. Let me say it again. He is not your personal savior. (laughs) He is not your personal savior. That personal individualistic mindset has been the Achilles heel, the undoing of the church. I repeat, do you think Paul did not know that every single believer has the Holy Spirit? He didn't know. Why is he trying to hegemonize? Why is he trying to bring them together? Why is he trying to harmonize their mind? Because why would you have the same spirit and have different minds? How is it functioning? The spirit of God that comes to you to install the mind of Christ. That's what he came to do. Install, to load the mind of Christ. How come we have the same spirit and different minds? An enemy has done this. Can't be attributed to the Lord Jesus. It can't. 
are for this reason. Some of you are sick. Some of you sleep. Because for one reason or the other, where you have come from has more preeminence on your life than what the world is doing in you. You watched your mom in a dysfunctional relationship. You watched her guard against your dad. You watched your dad be violent against women. You watched your elder brother show you how to play women. And that becomes your love expression. Becomes your love expression. And the word of God is coming, but the word of God is meeting where you have been. That you should no longer be at. You should no longer be at. And there's that resistance. There's that, so, there's, so there's friction. Does that make sense? There's friction. There's this grinding. And the body is not functioning as a sound whole. Because everybody has the idea of how the Holy Spirit should work in them. And that's the very thing that scriptures are attacking. Kill it. I repeat, if you have any sense, how can we have the same spirit? And different minds. How? How is that possible? And every time Paul is writing to the churches, he's trying to harmonize the church. Harmonize the church. Harmonize the church. Be consistent with your one spirit. Be consistent with your one calling. Be consistent with your one birth. How can everything else be one except your mind? One baptism, one Lord, one Father, one faith, one spirit, one body, and then two billion minds. And until that faculty of the mind comes together, the church cannot be the church. Because don't forget these guys he's talking to have all the spirit's gifts working in them. All of them. This is the same people that a chapter later in Philippians he would tell them, we are the circumcision. He's not speaking to unbelievers. Believers. Plenty spirit. Zero unity. Plenty charisma. No attitude. Plenty gift. No character. Plenty anointing. Zero posture. So we're disjointed and because we are, people are falling through the cracks. Does that make sense? People are slipping through the cracks. For this reason, many are sick. Many sleep. (laughs) Go back to Philippians 2. Is anybody receiving instruction? Verse 2. Having the same love, as if that wasn't deep enough, being of one accord, homo thumadon. Remember? Being unanimous, but being unanimous instantly. I taught you that in imitate. Such that it wasn't as though we started off having heresies. And then we now voted, okay, and then eventually we now arrived at unison. No, homothomadon is one accord, means that we are instantly unanimous. Such that we didn't even start off by being divided. Do you understand? Five people come and say, we want to, in fact, it's even worse, sometimes it's 10 or 15 people, vie for primaries to get the ticket inside one party. And that's what we have brought into church. We say healthy competition. That's the doctrine of devils. 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 Doctrine of devils. You don't call health and competition in the same sentence in the context of the church. Who are you competing with? 
all competition in church is unhealthy. It's unhealthy. Yes, sir. It's unhealthy. Yes, sir. All is unhealthy. Yes, there cannot be healthy competition in one body. Yes, one body. It's not possible. It's not possible. So it's not you're in one party. In one party, everybody's contesting for the same ticket. The party cannot even agree unanimously and say, given the manifesto of our party, given the criteria by which we measure people according to the manifesto, it is clear without any unequivocality that the person who best represents our interest in this season is this. And everybody will say, I no inside the party first. Mm. We'll still fight and still pay people. The person that is paying one thousand dollars is paying. The person that is paying seven seven thousand dollars is paying. The person that is paying seven hundred fifty fifty k. Each party then does that. They now bring the titans. It's now clash at national. People must die because the system itself is flawed. The system itself is flawed. Unfortunately. That's the mindset that we have brought into church. Into church. So unfortunately, the church is actually mentored by the world. Mentored by the world system. You, you, you haven't seen pastors reading laws of attraction. Reading art of war. Reading strategic leadership and how to run a corporate organization. Napoleon's art of war. And they teach it to you in pastor's training. Read these books on corporate leadership, on handling people, manipulating people, getting people to fall in line. The church has been driven by the world. I wrote long ago on Facebook, maybe like 13 or 14 years ago now. I said what we don't understand is that the world has made churches into their embassies. Most local churches are embassies of the world. And please don't be naive enough to tell me, yes, look at how they are dressing. It's not about dressing. It's not about lights and sound. Don't get distracted. It's about the systems that govern how things run. And so we are running leadership in church according to corporate standards. We have thugs serving bishops and pastors and reverends. We have the same spirit and don't have the same mind. And the kingdom divide against itself stand. And these things never start off big. They always start small. That's why we are loud on it in this house. Yes, sir. Always start small. Yes, sir. That little living. Little, all it takes, little. It always starts off by, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And then it grows. It takes over. That's how cancer spreads. One cell. Because we are ignoring the fundamentals of the unity of the body. One mind. So every time you fight our mind being the same, you are fanning a flame that even you will be consumed by. Every time you are the one responsible for why we are divergent, you are fanning a flame that will consume you. That's why I said in this house, be careful that you don't become a casualty. Does it make sense now? Be careful. Because it is he that digs a pit. He that rolls a stone. Don't be a casualty. Because you get consumed by what you are fermenting. It will consume you. It will consume you. That's what the church is. Being of one accord. 
unanimous. We never ever started from a place of disagreement. We are unanimous instantly. Same love, one accord of one mind. Three different ways of saying the same thing. Three. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, esteem others. Let each esteem others better than himself. Verse 4, let each of you, each of you, somebody say each of you. Each of you. Look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Go to verse 1 and read to verse 4. Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if there's any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection of, and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Now verse 5. Stop. You see the context? So mind of Christ is not just some random in a vacuum. Oh yeah, let me just think like Jesus. Let me, let me just feel like I have. It is practical. What does this call to mind? Jesus' prayer in John 17. As you and I are one. As we have fellowship. As I have shown them. As I have fulfilled your assignment. As I have shown them your name. I have manifested your name. I have shown them your love. Let there be one as you and I are one. Then the world will know that you sent me. So that's how I have shown them your love. I have served them. I have washed their feet. I've gone the ultimate by breaking my body, by giving my life for them. And this is not in the context of the forgiveness of sins. He dies as your savior. He breaks his body as your brother. Remember I told you the lost didn't start off being lost? So he comes as your lover, as your friend. He tells them in that same sitting. He said, you used to be servants, but now I call you friends. Not friends as though friends is superior to sonship, but contextual. Friends as in fellowship. You were servants, but now we have come into fellowship. We are friends. I am your fellow. I am your fellow. It is as our fellow that he gave his life. It is as our friend, as our lover, as our Adelphos that he broke his body to bring many sons into glory. It is as our savior that he shed his blood for the forgiveness of sin. Do you understand? So when it says, 1 John 3.16, greater love has no man than this. 1 John 3.16, by this we know Love, hold on. Not by this we know the forgiveness of sin. Not by this we know righteousness. Not by this we know sanctification. Not by this. By this we know love. Agapeo. Because he laid down his life. Love. So now that we know love by what he did. Now lay your life down for your brother. Philippians 2.5. 
So let this mind be in you. You get the mind now? Which also was in Christ Jesus. Who? Six. Being in the form of God. Did not consider robbery to be equal with God. But made himself of no reputation. Because what was he doing? Esteeming you. More highly than himself. If he came according to his reputation. He's not your mate. If he came according to son of God. If he came according to God. Blindfold him and slap him. And spit on him and say tell us. You are a prophet. Tell us who slapped you. He stood there and said, do you not think I can call my father? And he will send legions of angels. So follow it contextually. Made himself of no reputation. Stripped himself of what placed him above you. Because he esteemed you above himself. That's why he served them and washed their feet. And says, if I don't serve you, you can't enter me. You have no place in me. That was him making himself of no reputation. Doesn't mean he was losing his integrity. But he made himself of no reputation. At that point, you mattered most. He mattered less. Taking the form of a bond servant. And coming in the likeness of men. Serious demotion. God is manifest in the flesh. Came in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man. <laughs> give me this verse in Timothy. He humbled himself and became vulnerable. Choosing to be revealed as a man. And was obedient. See what he says there. He was a perfect example. Yes, yes. Have you been following the series? Yes. King James says. Being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself. Unto death. Even the death on the cross. Being found as a fashion as a man, humbling himself, was obedient unto death, even the death on the cross. Nine. Wherefore? He made himself nine. Wherefore? God has highly exalted him as a consequence. Yes, so there is elevation that Jesus came into as a man. As a man. Yes, sir. Because he humbled himself. Again, this is stuff I've taught. That's when he was given the name, son of man. So Hebrews says he learned obedience by the things he suffered. The man. Because this God that became man could have easily leveraged his God advantage. Jesus could have taken on the ability to not feel pain. Have taken on the posture yes, sir. of no, you don't even touch me. Yes, of course. I can just stay there and my blood will just flow out. Yes. He has the power. But he humbled himself. He didn't simplify. Why? For me. Yes. Together with you. You didn't get it. For me, forgiveness of sin. For me. Forgiveness of sin for you. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, then what? But it is together that we are body. So he forgave my sins, forgive your sins, but went beyond that and made us a body in him. So he went just for me together with you. Yes, 
Because my sins are forgiven. Mm-hmm. Your sins are forgiven. That's right. But it is only together that we are his body. So only together that we are his body. I wrote here. This therefore means that your interactions with believers, especially in your local church, shows how much you have grown as a believer. Your interactions with believers in the local, especially the local church you belong, shows a lot about your growth as a believer. If you are cantankerous all the time you are causing trouble, all the time you are causing trouble, you are breaking the Lord's body. You know cantankerous? People that cannot do without fomenting trouble. People that don't like peace. You just like drama. If everything is at peace, you're uncomfortable. You're jittery. You must stare the waters. It's cantankerous people. Every opportunity you fight, then you come and say, I'm sorry. And I'm sorry should fix the whole world. You walk in disrespect. You walk in dishonor. You walk in obstinacy. Walk in stubbornness and rebellion. You don't want to hear what the word of God says. You want to eat your cake and have it. Be in church and be in the world. Have brethren and have illicit relationships at the same time. Sleep here and sleep there at the same time. Eat here and eat there at the same time. First Corinthians 10. You see what Paul says about that. 18. First Corinthians 10, 18. Observe Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What am I saying then? That an idol is anything, or what is offered to idols is anything. Rather, that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. This is 10 going to 11. See 21. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot eat of the Lord's table and the table of demons. You can't be in church and say you are partaking of the Lord's body and you are partaking of another body. You can't say I'm in fellowship, communion, koinonia with the Lord's body and blood and you are doing the same out there. At that point, what are you exposing yourself to? Demonic activity. They may not possess you, they will oppress you. They will deal with you. And that's when we start to see casualties in the body. Because when the hedge is broken, the serpent bites. You can't partake of this table, this table, and that table. You can't be in unity and be in strife. At the same time. For this reason, some are sick and others sleep. You can't be here and I'm preaching over you and speaking over you. And you go out and speak against me at the same time. At that point, you choose where your followership lies. And be like the others who have left by leaving. You can't partake of this table and that table. The lost table is undefiled because we are the undefiled yes, bread. Sir. We are the unleavened bread. Yes, but the pure and sincere and true bread. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So cross members, members that always cause trouble. Always. Your name is always coming up. Your name is always coming up. Always. Somehow you find yourself always on the other side of God's word. 
We talk about marriage. You're the one that is living a different way of life in your marriage at home. We talk about giving. You're the one that will not give. You are just always on the other side of God's word. It's not normal. It's not normal. You can't always be found there. Tell your neighbor you can't always be found there. You can't. You can't. Every time an instruction comes from God's word, you're the one the demon is using to resist it. Yeah, because you're partaking of two tables. Either the Lord's table or the demon's table. You and the Holy Ghost inside you. Because the equation is simple. You plus Holy Ghost apart from mind of Christ equals to table of demons. You plus Holy Spirit inside of you minus the mind of Christ, which is the same mind, equals table of demons. So, so it will appear, therefore, that the simple antidote to demonic activity is us being yes. of the same mind. Because James says, where's, let's go there, James 3. Simple equation. Simple equation. James 3, 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by his good conduct that his works are done in meekness of wisdom. If you are wise and understanding, if you think you know scripture and you are grounded in light, show it by your good conduct. Not by your talking and your praying in tongues. You are wise. You are understanding. You have light. You are superior in knowledge. You are strong in the faith. Show it by your good conduct. That his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. Next verse. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart, do not boast and lie against the truth. See 15. Watch, watch for this. This wisdom does not descend from above. But it's earthly, sensual, and demonic. We have not finished. Next verse. For where envy, and self-seeking exist, confusion and what? Once there is selfishness, once you are after yourself, you have opened the door in the church. For every demonic activity. Are you people hearing me? Yes, sir. Every evil thing is there. That means to say, Ma, what are, why the house listen to me? There's people that are falling into stupid temptations, making silly mistakes just because the body is not of one mind. A strife in the church has opened the door to every evil thing. People would defraud people. People would betray people. People would take advantage of people. People would lie to people. People would use people just because there are two people in that church that are working in strife. Just because there are two people in the church that are not of the same mind. Just because there are two people in church that place themselves above everybody else. It opens the door to all manner of evil things. You and the Holy Spirit, minus same mind, equals to demonic activity. The Lord's, the demon's table. Table of demons. That's all it takes to mess up the entire body. No longer functioning well. And for this reason, some of you are sick and some sleep. Tell yourself, I discern the Lord's body. It's not a joke, sir. It's not a joke. I'm speaking to the universal body of Christ. Using you as the launching pad. For where self-seeking and envy exist, confusion, number one, every evil thing are there. 
you feel spirit filled without the mind of Christ. Yes, sir. Table of, of demons. And we compromise the health of the body. So a church where strife exists, 1 Corinthians 11, is eating damnation upon herself. Do you get it now? Yes, sir. 28. Is it coming together? But let a man examine himself. And so, let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. 29. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment or damnation to himself. Not discerning the Lord's body. Look at me carefully. Carefully. Listen to me with all your attention. There's some mess that happened in your life. Just because you did not discern the Lord's body. Yes, there are opportunities you blew. There were openings you didn't even see. There were helpers of your life that came your way that you missed because you could not discern. As pigeon English people will say, you no one hear what because you are eating of the body in an unworthy manner. Not discerning. You're not examining yourself. What aroma, what fragrance are you releasing? What fragrance are you releasing? And that's all it takes. And when you're walking in damnation, self-damnation, sickness, and death. Because the church is the vehicle for the manifestation of every good thing of God in Christ Jesus for the benefit of the believer. Do you remember that from part one? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Every good thing that is ours in, in God, in Christ Jesus, the church is a vehicle for the dissemination and distribution of God's goodness. So if you partake of the Lord's body unworthily, what are you robbing yourself of? Certain goodnesses of God in Christ. That's what it is. Certain struggles in business, in academia, in relationships, in discipleship. It's because we will not eat of the Lord's body. Worthily. Walk in strife and you're okay with it. Walk in bitterness and you're okay with it. And you keep coming around and saying, I let it go. I let it go. After six months, you come back and say, I let it go. After nine months, you come back. What, auntie? How many liters of what are you letting go? Because every time you are holding on to something, you are making the entire church vulnerable to every evil thing. You tell your neighbor you, you and the other neighbor. All it takes is why will Paul say a little level levels the lump and you deceive yourself to think that what you alone do doesn't matter? Are you wise? Are you not foolish? Are you not foolish because you don't have to see it for it to matter as long as you are a part on your body. You are a part in the body. You don't have to see it for it to matter. Right now, if, let me use myself, it's okay, I'm on here. If my feet are scabbed and broken, right now, if my legs are broken and in pain in these shoes, you can't see it, but my body feels it. Case in point, my right arm has been swollen for, for the whole week, this whole right arm. You know where I feel the most of the pain? In my head. I can't explain how it's working, but the pain in my arm and my shoulder I feel it tug at my head. But it's not my head that is paining me. Yes. But my head is conducting the pain. Yes. 
from my arm and chances are other parts of my body start to pick the signal. So my feet can be broken and, and, and hurting and you don't see it. Doesn't mean it doesn't matter. That you think nobody sees you doesn't mean nobody sees you. It's just me. It doesn't matter what I do. If you are in this body, everything you do and don't do instantly and automatically matter. Even if you do it in secret, it bleeds back into the body. Everything you do and don't do, everything you say and don't say matters. So a church where strife exists is eating damnation upon themselves, not discerning the Lord's body. First, First Thessalonians 5 and 14. First Thessalonians 5, 14. Are you there? Now we exhort you, brethren, one those who are unruly. One. The word there is neotheteo. N-O-U-T-H-E-T-E-O. Neotheteo. N-O-U-T-H-E-T-E-O. That's the word for warn. And it means, <laughs> it means to warn as in exert positive pressure on someone's logic, urging them to turn and choose God's best. No, 30. One, exert positive pressure on someone's logic or someone's reasoning. Pressure your reasoning positively until you turn and choose God's best in that matter. So one is not like, oh, I'm warning you, you are unruly. One is, I am teaching you and putting you under such pressure until you change and choose God's will for you. So warning is actually instruction in righteousness targeted at breaking a particular stronghold in your life. That's why I'm never afraid to inform you that it's you I'm talking about. Whenever you feel like it's me you are talking about, you are absolutely right. It's you! Why? We are putting positive pressure on you until you change and choose God's way. So every time you feel like it's you I'm talking about, it means that the thing has not pressured you enough. It will keep pressuring you until you, because you see this God's way, whether you choose it or not, it will line you up. It will. Just make sure it doesn't break a bone of yours. Make sure you have not walked into damnation first. Just make sure you haven't partaken of the Lord's table, of the demon's table yet. But you see God's will, God's way, it will come to pass. So think very carefully before you open your mouth and say amen. So it says we warn those who are unruly. That's what it means. See it in the TPT. First test 5.14. We appeal to you there brothers and sisters to instruct. Beautiful. See that? Instruct those who are not in their place of battle. Be skilled at greatly encouraging those who feel themselves inadequate. Be faithful to stand your ground. Help the weak to stand again. Be quick to demonstrate patience with everyone. Let's see the message. Our counsel is that you warn the freeloaders to get a move on. No freeloaders. Any, anywhere by left face. Whatever is happening. Is there anything to eat? Anything to do? Any fun to catch? Ectoparasites, leeches, unruly. That's what scripture calls them. Not pav, scripture. So instead of feeling like he's talking about me, how about admit and confess that yes, indeed, I'm the one he's talking about. 
And the pressure is so that God's best comes out of us. Because only then will we have a church void of demonic activity yes, and every evil thing. And that begins to cascade across the entire body. 1 Corinthians 3 and 3. Are you receiving instruction? Yes, sir. Are you receiving warning? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> 3 and 3. For you are still carnal. Paul is still on this matter. For where there are envy, strife, divisions among you. Are you not carnal and behaving like men? That's all. For one who says I'm a Paul, another I'm of Apollos. You're not carnal. 2 Corinthians 12 and 20. It's Bible study. 19. Go for 19. For I fear, lest when I come. Again, okay, let's go. Again, do you think that we excuse ourselves to you? We speak before God in Christ. But we do all things, beloved, for your edification. And we'll get to the point, I'm sure this will be tomorrow, in discerning your pastors, where you have to train yourself to believe that if God gave a pastor to you, the pastor wants you to grow. You have to discern it. It's part of discerning the Lord's body. You cannot ever, ever find yourself pitched against a grace gift God gave you. There are things you will never walk in. Ever. Ever. Because you're not discerning. You're eating the body of the body unworthily. Because you are going against the gifts that God set in the church for your maturity. Yes, if you can mature without the gift in the local church, you shouldn't be there. Yes, yes, sir. Come be in the place and resist the grace gift of men that God puts over you. That's you not discerning the Lord's body. So you must believe like Paul is telling them. Say, we're not trying to excuse ourselves. We're doing this. We're speaking of God in Christ for your edification. What we're doing, as difficult as it sounded at the time, was for your growing. Edification, not feeling good. Building you up. Not feeling good. Not tapping you on the back and patronizing you. So he had gone at the Corinthian church and gone at them and gone at them and told them, we're doing this to build you up. And that's part of discerning your pastors. If you, all, if you at any point feel your pastor is pitched against you, you will instantly take an attacking defensive posture of pitching yourself against him. Once you feel like someone is pitched against you, the, the natural instinct in you is to take a defensive, which is actually an attacking posture of pitching yourself against the person so the person doesn't come against you because you perceive they're against you. No matter what they do for your edification, you will see it. Next verse. For I fear lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I wish, and that I shall be found by you such as you do not wish. Go back to 20, starting the TPT. It will be clear for some people. Now, I'm afraid that when I come to you, I might find you different than I desire you to be. And you may find me different than you would like me to be. I don't want to find you in disunity. Even though I'm concerned that when I come out, that's how I might find you. And if I find you like that, you will not like how you find me. But I say this for your edification. Smile. Much love. Paul says. Put the text back up. I don't want to find in this unity with jealousy and angry outburst, with selfish ambition, slander, gossip, ignorance, and turmoil. I don't want to find you like that. I'm actually afraid that on my next visit, God will humble me in front of you as I shed tears over those who keep sinning without repenting of their impurity, sexual immorality, and perversion. This will be my third trip to you. 
And I will make sure that by the testimony of two or three witnesses, every matter will be concerned, will come confirmed. We will deal with every issue. This thought I'm coming. Because I'm still concerned that I will still find the nonsense in you that I don't want to see. And the issues are the same. Contentions, jealousies, malice, outburst of wrath, selfish ambition, King James, backbiting, whisperings. Please put New King James back up from there. See verse 20 again. Lest there be what? Contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, backbitings, whisperings, whisperings, conceits, and tumults. Whisperings. Can you see that one? She wore that thing yesterday. I don't even know what made her feel she can wear it. And you have done that. You have just killed somebody. Listen to me. You will answer to God. You will stand before him and you will give account. And that is if your physical body lasts long enough. For this reason, some of you seek some sleep. Because by virtue of not walking in the care of the church and in the love of the church, there are things you expose yourself to that ultimately impact your life and potentially lifespan. And when you finish the earthly sojourn, you will stand before that throne and answer for how you disconnected somebody from the faith because of your reckless comment. Reckless. There's a ripple effect. Everything is connected. The whole body. Jealousies, contention, strives, careless, reckless comments, whisperings, whisperings. Say, I discern the Lord's body. Strife usually springs up, I wrote here, from listening to more than one person. In 1 Corinthians 2, Paul is talking about Apollos and Paul and everybody saying their thing and the church is confused because there's opinions. Heresies. Should Should I tell the pastor, should I not? If you tell her now, he gets how it's be. But if you don't tell him, you are confused. What does the word say? What does the church dictate? Do it. Why should you ask your brother or sister for an opinion on what the word is clear about? And on the matter that the word is clear about, that the church you are both in has taught about. You're the one opening yourself up to confusion. The word is clear on something. The church you both are in has taught our position on that thing. And then you still get up. The word was not enough. Our teaching was not enough. You ask for somebody's opinion. You are the one that opened the door to every demonic activity. And every evil thing. Because strife always comes where you listen to more than one person. Mostly the wrong person. Strife comes from listening to more than one person. Hence, heresy is opinion. And this comes because we don't respect each other's Uniqueness of gifts. Ephesians 4. I'll end here for today. 7. 4 7. To each of us, grace was given. Somebody said to each of us, grace is given. According to the measure of Christ's gift. That is to say, there's none of us that is without grace. And grace here, not for salvation, grace here, not for doing God's will but grace for church ministry service. Grace gifts. Make sense? Not grace generically, but charisma. To each one of us, charisma. Make sense? From the Greek word, from the root word, charis. Charisma or grace gifts or grace endowments or grace enablements. Not grace as in salvation. 
Not grace as in power to do all things. But the context here is in ministry service. Grace gift. Each of us. Everybody has. Everybody has. So when the word is released from somebody who operates in a particular charismatic gift, you believe it, you receive it. That's why these gifts are nurtured in the church. And unfortunately, a lot of the gifts are dormant in a lot of you who have held yourself back from the church. You've shielded and guarded yourself from the church. So now we have to unravel you. So the whole church is held to ransom by your mystifying of yourself and thus robbing us of the charismatic gift that is unique to you. Without which the body is not quite the body. Because until you start to walk in your charismatic gift, you are robbing the body of health. So why are we doing this? Because everybody in the body is a joint that must supply. That's the New Testament principle. Every joint. Remember when I keep shouting 1 Corinthians 14, 26? How is it then, brethren, when you gather, each one must have. Each one, each one, each one, each one. So if you're not performing your gift, you're robbing the church of health. It's not just a particular people that serve or minister in church. Everyone here who is trained is a minister. Amen? Are we learning anything? Anybody growing in discernment? Well, that's it for today's teaching. We trust it has been worth your time. For more of these messages from our stables, kindly subscribe to our teaching podcast at www.thebasileacommission.podbean.com or via the Podbean app on your mobile device. For inquiries and further information, kindly send us an email to info at thebasileacommission.org or find us on social media with the handles at the truth simply put or at war the church. You can also send us an SMS, call us, or connect with us via WhatsApp on plus 234-70-881-8864. Finally, if you would like to give to support the work that we do, kindly follow the Patreon link in our podcast or contact our office for details. Thank you.